Hello, welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you've tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Let's, let's look at Acts 20 and read verses 22 through 24. And this is not a long message, so pay attention. Amen. Well, I don't intend for it to be a long message, all right? <laughs> and now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. And I'm going to use for thought again, completing the task, and we're focusing in on motivation today. I want to focus on motivation as we talk about completing the task. So, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit. I pray that you'll speak to me again as I speak to your people, anoint me to deliver the message that you've given uh, in an effective way and anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. So, as I was meditating on the message to bring to you today, uh, the Lord led me to, to un me, first of all, to understand more clearly the difference between completing in this, in this particular text, finishing and completing. Because on the surface level, most of the time we think that it actually means the same thing. But I was reading this, and, and, and a lot of translations that you read, there's not a difference made. It just talks about of finishing the task, but the NIV says, uses the term finishing the race and completing the task. And there is another translation that says finishing the race and fulfilling the ministry. Okay, so that made me wonder, look, and in the Greek, uh, in the Greek, there is a difference that the, the same word is used. If you look, even if you look in and read the Greek translation, which most of us are not going to do because we don't, we don't speak it, nor do we understand it, but nor do, can we read it. But and even in the commentary notes, there is a difference. And I, and I Googled it. I Googled uh, the difference between finishing and completing. And there is a subtle difference, a subtle difference, a subtle difference. Whereas completing and finishing both share the same, uh, the meaning of getting something done However, the degree to which that thing gets done is different when using each word. And I was just thinking about this, you know, and I don't use a lot of illustrations in my sermon, but in my sermon is not physical illustrations unless I'm speaking to the children. But I thought about it this morning, you know, and, you know, I'm kind of like when it comes to folding things. Now, you would say that this is folded, correct? How many of you, this is a sheet. You're looking at, is it folded? Amen. But there is a difference. There's a difference in the folding. Amen. You know, and, and, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, some people, somebody might call me OCD. I don't know what y'all call people. But people always say that I'm very, very, very particular. So in folding things, I am not going to fold a sheet like it was folded. I'm going to find the points. Amen. And I'm going to level, amen, I'm going to level everything, and then I'm going to shake it out. Glory to the name of Jesus. And, and, and ask my wife now, when I fold sheets, I'm not just playing with y'all, I'm not just telling you something, but when I fold sheets at home, when I fold my clothes up to go in my drawer, down to my underwear and my socks, Amen. And I'm going to make sure that I fold it. I try to make sure that it's folded the way it came out of the package. Amen. So there is a difference. There is a difference. You can finish something. You can do it and it's done, but it's not done to completion. There's a total, there's a difference in the way this sheet looks now 
Amen. I could even make it a little bit better than that. Amen. I can. I didn't. I didn't do my points all the way, all the way to the end. Praise the Lord. I even learned that when you when you put sheets on the bed, I learned how to do what somebody told me was a nurse's fold. So I, I don't just put a sheet on the bed, not the top sheet. Amen. I sheet. I put it on the bed, and and then I pull that that corner that's laying down on the side, and I pull it up, and then I. Amen. So there is a difference. There's a subtle difference. There's a subtle difference. And when you hear what Paul is saying here, it seems like finishing the race and completing the task means the same thing. But there is a difference. Complete means to fulfill something. Basically, you're not just going to wrap it up and stop doing it. Because sometimes in ministry, folks, I just got to finish this. today. We just do anything. We just do, you know, so we can say we finished it. But there is a, there is, in this Greek word, there is uh, the the subtle meaning or the meaning of of completing to perfection, bringing something to perfection, that you do your very best because you want the best results. So Paul doesn't just say that he's going to Jerusalem to preach. And all of us know that there is preaching and there is preaching. Amen. Uh, we can just get up and throw something at you to say that we preached. But then the other side of preaching is that we study. We look for the meanings of the words. And we want to, to the best of our ability, guided by the Holy Spirit, to, 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 to give you a message that is sound, that is according to the scriptures, and that will impact your life in a powerful way. So when we talk about completing the task in 2022, I sense that the Lord is saying that the time is now to fulfill, not just finish something, but to fulfill to the best of our ability, amen, what we have been assigned to do. Fulfilling to the best of one's ability suggests that a person puts forth his or her best efforts. Best efforts. Amen. Uh, so, you know, when I, and I just thought about this, and I just remember I, I, when I first uh, started. So when we were at, I'll go back to USC with, with the Touch of Faith Gospel Choir. You know, I grew up in the country. You know, and we didn't have musicians in the church. You know, so we made our own music. And sometimes it sounded good, and sometimes it didn't. My sister would tell me, you can't carry a tune in a water bucket. But, so, going to college and, you know, meeting people who had sat under musicians and been trained. And so, you know, I learned that there was a difference in just doing something. Amen. And doing it to perfection. And I think one of the things we've learned in Tabernacle of Praise is that we just don't throw anything out musically. Amen. Amen. So you work hard and you take the rebukes and, and, and everything else that, that may be thrown at you in the music ministry so that you present you to your very best. To the Lord, because you are serving as unto the Lord and not as unto just you're just not just doing something to say it's done. Amen. Amen. And people used to say, and you've heard me say this, well, the Lord only requires your best. Yes, that's right. He requires your best. To get your best, you have to put forth effort. You got to put forth effort. You can't settle for anything. And so I sense the Lord saying that to us, amen, that we must put forth our very best effort to get the very best results because it's results that count. We're not just doing something. We're in the Lord's ministry, and in the Lord's ministry, we have been sent like Jesus to seek and to save those who are lost. So everything that we do has to be centered around seeking and saving that which was lost. 
Even if we build up other people, the end result is that as we build others up, as we make disciples of others, they have the same mentality that I'm going to put for, I'm going to learn what it is to be a Christian. I'm going to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth so that when the responsibility or the opportunity is given to me, I am going to seek and to save the lost to the best of my ability. I'm just not going to go out and throw out anything. Amen. So if, if, this, if that's the case, then, then Paul was not simply concerned with finishing his Christian journey, uh, which he calls the race. He's concerned about putting forth his very best effort so that he can have the best results from the testifying to the gospel of God's grace in Jerusalem and Rome. From that perspective, completing the task speaks to us putting forth our very best effort, uh, not simply just doing something. Paul understands that the assignment on his life, the assignment on his life was not simply just to make it to Jerusalem and to Rome, but to fulfill the task to bring to perfection in the best possible way within his own uh, capabilities, the things, and, the, and the, of course, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the things that the Lord had placed in his hands, in particular, testifying to the gospel of God's grace, which he had done everywhere he went. After Paul was saved, if you look at his life, if you look at his life, you see how he ministered the gospel and the number of churches that were planted and how he has even impacted the body of Christ today. Because we, in the Bible, in the New Testament, we have more of Paul's writings than anyone else's writings. When you look at the epistles, most of them are written by, by Paul. Okay, so, so saints, this text and the theme speaks to the motives of our hearts. It speaks to the motives of our hearts. And, and prayerfully, this message today will lead into our, our conversation that we're going to have later on in the year. It speaks to the kind of work that we want to render to our God who's given us his best. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave us his only which means he gave us his best. Jesus is the only wise and sufficient sacrifice for your sins and mine. God didn't just give us anything. He didn't just send an angel. He didn't just send an angel. He said, Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Uh, there, there are myriads of angels, but God didn't just send. He didn't send Michael. He didn't send Gabriel. He didn't send one of the other myriads of angels. He sent his only begotten son. He said, Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. Amen. To save us from our sins. So God's work deserves more than our half-hearted efforts. And when we come to the place where we have this mind, the perspective, the determination uh, to put our best in what we do for the kingdom of God, when we have this perspective and this determination, we're on the right road to completing the task that's been placed in our hands. Okay? And this follows, this follows the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so sometimes when we look at the body of Christ, we are people who are serving, who are doing things, but their hearts are not in it. Why are their hearts not in it? Because that's not where their treasure is. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so this, that, that, that brings up something else. You know, well, at least it did for me as I was, as I was praying and, and, and meditating. It brings up, as I said, motivation, the motivation and the issues that come along with, the, with motivation and the, or the lack of motivation. Motivation. Are you motivated 
for the things of God? Or do you find that your heart is just not in it? And you do it because you are either asked to do it or you are in some way required to do it. We see in some people a lot of motivation. We see in some people an excitement about the ministry, an excitement about church, an excitement about reaching others with the gospel, an excitement about praying. But we see in others, well, you know, I can take it or I can leave it. Or it's not that important. Or I'm just not interested in all of that. But we look at this commitment that Paul had. Paul said, Paul said, and we just read it just a few moments ago. Uh, well, I guess I turned from it. He said that I only know. He said, and now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will befall me there. I only know that in every city, so he went to Gastonia, he went to Charlotte, he went to Columbia, he went to Spottenburg, he traveled to Columbus, Ohio, and San Francisco. And everywhere he went to preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit testified that when you go to Jerusalem, imprisonment waits on you. Afflictions wait on you. But Paul said, I'm bound by the Spirit. I am compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And then he said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. That's so important. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. That's my. Now, some people read that and say, well, Paul has committed himself to die. So all the thing that's left for him is dying. He's not committed himself to dying. He's committed to completing the task of testifying to God's grace. You know, it's, it's totally different. I mean... <laughs> He has not made up his dying bed. All right? He's not stopped and sat down and said, well, I'm just going to go to Jerusalem and die. No! He was bound to go to Jerusalem and, and, and testify to the greatest ability that he had under, under the anointing of God to the gospel of God's grace. Yeah. So he's not... Ready to die, even though he's ready to die. Now, my God, hallelujah. You know what? We have to live ready to die. We do. But we don't have to have a deaf perspective. You understand what I mean? Every day we should live as though it's our last, but also every day we should live as though we have 10 more years to live. And in all of those 10 years, we're going to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so. We can't have the same commitment that Paul had, willing to face imprisonment and affliction uh, in this race and, and co complete his task to the best of his ability uh, if for some reason our motivation is not there. So as we talk about completing the task, for a lot of us, you got to deal with motivation. For some of us, we're just going to jump right in. You know, we're going to continue doing what we've been doing, and we, we will even do more. We will even do more, even when we see people slacking. But, but, but rather than seeing people slacking and maybe condemning them, I'm reminded that the Bible says, you who are strong, you, 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 you oh, goodness, um, you who are spiritual, when you see your brother or sister overtaken in a fault, you've got to see people's waning as they are being overtaken in a fault. And, when, and, and then you have to learn how to restore that person in a spirit and gentle, of gentleness and meekness. And let me say this, for the person who may need to be restored, you cannot take someone's encouragement as a rebuke. You cannot take someone's encouragement as judgment. 
All right? Because whenever the spirit of offense comes in, you've allowed Satan to take over, and, and Satan will close your mind off to the things that you need to hear that will help you in your walk with the Lord. So a lot of times in the body of Christ, we've mixed a whole lot of things up. We allow, and you got to be real about this. We have to be real about this because we allow Satan to enter in. And, you know, people don't like in America, especially folk talking about other people uh, being demon possessed or the devil God in their lives. But it's the truth. Amen. We just have to deal with this and not be offended because if you want to be restored, if you want to be helped, you have to be open to the help. And then you got to be able to trust your other brothers and sisters in the Lord who perceive what's going on in your life. They're not just looking at you. They're not following you around every day, looking in your window, watching you in your car. They speak by the Spirit of God, even though they may not say so. When a person speaks to you and you know that they're speaking truth and they've not been watching you and following you and monitoring you, then you know it's by the Spirit of the Lord. Just humble yourself and receive the correction. Receive the help. Now, COVID-19 has uncovered in many of us our relationship with the Lord. Whether it's good or whether it's weak, COVID-19 has shown up. It's like covers have been taken off, and people are recognizing this. You don't have to say Bishop has been listening to somebody else. You know if it's the truth. In your life, just just be honest. This why you why did you say covert nineteen? Because we've been disconnected. We've not been coming together, and people tend to feed off of one another. They do, so we feed off of each other. So so then we get in the group, and because we we like doing something in the group, we can do it. You hear people talk about, you know, and I'll say it a lot, just worshiping the Lord when you're all alone. You don't need anybody else. You just worship the Lord. I know it's not the same as being in the sanctuary, but but you have to you have to be able to worship God when it's nobody but you and God. Amen. When you don't have the keyboard, when you don't have the lead singer, amen. When you when you don't have the lead prayer, when the preacher is not uh, uh, excited and 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 motivated and stirring, when you are all alone, you have to be able to worship the Lord and that has made the difference for a lot of people because they don't have that relationship with the Lord that they ought to have. So when they're not around their comrades the people that they like and that's why saints of God when we see our buddies our friends, our comrades and we know that they don't have that relationship with the Lord we need to be speaking and we don't need to be going along with people in their foolishness well, you may not call it foolishness, and I try, I'm trying my very best not to use words that's offensive to people because I want people to hear this message. This message is so critical in these times that we're living in because we are not fully back together. The devil is dividing us, and he's what's showing up is the difference between those who are strong in the Lord and those who are weak in the Lord. Strong in their faith or weak in their faith? Now, <sighs> corporate gatherings have been so important for us. So really, they have been. But in a way, for some people, being in the corporate setting and doing things because they have the ability to do it and they're not willing to really surrender to the Lord it's hurt those people. So now, when we don't have that motivation of the group, oof, it's shown up, and people don't know what to do. People don't know what to do. Hear this, please. With no judgment or condemnation intended or mixed in, COVID-19 has brought about a sifting in the body of Christ. 
want you to remember the words of Jesus in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, as he speaks to, to Peter. When Peter tries to rebuke him, because Peter wasn't where he should have been in the Lord. And it took even, even some more rebukes for Peter later on to really get there. But Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he might sift you as wheat. Or it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you turn back, strengthen the brothers. Now, now we're gonna, we're gonna, we need to, we need to bring a separation in that message. We need to hear, we need to hear that Satan asked to sift Peter as he will sift you and me. I'll try to sift you and me. Sifting wheat is the process of separating the, the wheat, the grain of wheat from the husk. So if you paid attention, and, and we don't do it here in America, but in Africa they still, when they, when they harvest the wheat, they will beat it and they will, they, it's, in a, it's in a sheet and they will take a, a little basket and throw it in the air when the wind is blowing so that the wind blows the husk away and the grain of wheat falls to the ground. What has happened to many in the body of Christ is that there has been a sifting and some of us are discovering that we are not who we thought we were. Or we've lost some of that zeal and excitement that we thought we had. Satan has been able to show his hand in our lives. Now, now we know the scripture. Satan prowls around like what? Roar lion seeking whom he may devour. So what Jesus is saying here is not something that's, 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 that's so far away from us that, that this is just something out of the ordinary. Satan is looking to devour you. Every one of us, he's looking, he's prowling around, and he's finding that person that's weak in faith. He's, he's, he's tempting all of us. But those of us who are stronger in faith know to resist the devil steadfast in the faith, and he'll flee from us. But for that person who's weak, that person who's, whose attention is not where it ought to be on the Lord, that person who has a form of godliness and deny the, but deny the power of a godly life, that person who has been, whose energy has been feeding off of their friend or feeding off of the group, and they don't have that personal, deep relationship with the Lord that they ought to have. Satan has sifted them, separated them, and is separating them. So as we try to come back together as a corporate body, don't be surprised when some of the weaker people don't show up unless they hear the Lord and obey to the Lord. Obey the Lord. Now, some people who are stronger, maybe the Lord will tell them to do something else. All right? But you got to be led by the Spirit of Almighty God. And if you don't know the Spirit of God, if you don't know the voice of God, you don't know who's leading you. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. Another's voice they will not follow. All right? Yes. So, so Satan has been able to show his hand in our lives and pull us back to those attitudes, those actions, those ways, those, thought, those thoughts and so forth uh, that, that were waiting for such a time as this. Yeah. Because Satan does not, he doesn't, he doesn't leave us alone. He just waits for the opportune time. COVID-19 has been an opportune time for Satan to show his hand. Show his hand. Yeah. 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 So, that's what has happened for many. But I want you to hear, uh, let's see here. Let's, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. I want you to hear that. Praise the name of Jesus. You got your Bibles. Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. Mm-hmm. Wow. And 
When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return where? To the house that I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. This is how it will be in, with this wicked generation. So this is just an example of what happens when Satan sifts people. So you may have started out thinking your house was clean and trying to clean your house. And that demon left and, and, and went into a far country. But he come, comes back and finds that house clean. But what you didn't do was you didn't fill the house with the Spirit of Almighty God, with a sincere relationship with the Lord. Christianity is about a sincere relationship with the Lord. So when, the, when he comes back and he finds that, that the house, even though it's swept and clean, is still empty. So he goes and gets seven other demons more wicked than himself when he comes back. And she said, so, so this is such a dangerous thing because the, your latter end will be worse than it was before. If seven other spirits more wicked than that spirit comes to dwell in you, it's going to be worse than it was before. That's why over the years as people fall away from the Lord, many times it's hard to get them back. And they don't realize the battle that's going on in the spirit realm. All of this deals with the battle that's going on in the spirit realm. That's what it deals with. It's not about me condemning you. It's not about me preaching about you. It's not about me uh, being judgmental. And being, this, I, I'm trying to help you understand that there is a battle going on in the spirit realm. Satan wants you. Satan wants to sift you. Satan wants control over your life. We've got to see. We've got to see that this is not about the church being mean or judgmental. It's not about God being mean or judgmental. It's about God wanting you you to have the right relationship with him so that you can live in fullness on this life and then that when you die you can live with him eternally in heaven but it ties into your motivation your motivation listen Paul didn't just have the commitment to go to Jerusalem and Rome to testify to the gospel of God's grace coupled with that and superseding his desire or his commitment to go to Jerusalem and, and, and Rome, coupled with that and superseding that was his relationship to the Lord, his commitment to God. You can't do this work without commitment, serious commitment to God. Not saying that any of us are perfect, but we thank God for his grace on our lives. It, but it ties into our commitment to God. Paul says, as he talks to the elders uh, of the church of Ephesus, as he says, and now I go, and I'm reading now from a different translation, bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing what things will happen to me there. Okay? Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulation or imprisonment and tribulation or afflictions wait for me there. But then he says, none of these things, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life worth anything to me or my life dear to myself. That's, that's, that's what we say, being really sold out to the Lord. Nor do I count my life Dear to myself. No, no. Now, this part is not in the message that I wrote. But when you think about your life, what's your life? And every believer has to ask him or herself, what's my life? How do I live it every day? What's my focus in my life? Is my focus the Lord? Is my focus glorifying God? Do I count these things in this present life? Whether it be my family, most of the time it's things, the things that I have. A lot of times it's pleasure, just living my life the way I want to live it. Do I count my life dear to me? And most people do. Because they've never taken up the cross. They've never denied self before you get to taking up the cross. They've never denied self. 
or they thought they were denying self, but never really did. So coming to church, they just give that, make a, a confession of faith to Jesus, go through baptism or in other denominations, confirmation or whatever the process is. And so now they are part of the church. But their present life is more dear to them than a life lived for God. It's total difference. Total difference. Hmm. It was Paul's relationship to God that was a motivating factor in his determination to finish the race and complete the task. To the best of his ability, mind you, it was his commitment. We cannot talk about commitment to God so much. That's total difference than being committed to the church. You can be, you can be committed to your church, and a lot of people are. They love that church. Thank you for loving Tabernacle of Praise, but this church can't save you. Amen. There's nothing in this building, nothing physical in this building that can save you. You can sit on those soft pews, but you will die and go right to hell. It's your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that makes all of the difference in the world. Okay. So if that commitment, if Paul's commitment had not been there, that commitment to the Lord had not been there, Paul could have easily have been dissuaded. Can you imagine? If he was not committed to the Lord and the Holy Spirit said, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to go to jail. You're going to face tribulation. What do you think Paul would have done? Well, I hear the Lord say that I don't have to go to Jerusalem. I can go to Nineveh. I can be like Jonah. I can run away from this challenge. But his commitment to the Lord kept him from being like Jonah. You understand it? Amen. He didn't run away. He ran to the task. Now, now hear this. Even though you may feel separated, and I may not be talking to you in here this morning, but, but the Lord is speaking to someone. Amen. He's speaking to someone. Amen. Even though you may feel separated and, and disconnected, uh, or now you may feel like a fish out of water. That's why you're not, you're not coming, going back to your fellowship of believers. All right, and you're not getting involved again because you can't. You feel this disconnection, and it's so easy now to just stay at home and say that you're watching online. All right, but but saints, involvement has to take place. Getting connected and being involved has to take place. So right now, you may if if you come back, you may feel like a fish out of water. But let me tell you, you need to come fish out of water now. We'll help you get back in the water. Amen. But, but anyway, yeah, you may feel like a fish out of water in your relationship with God, and, and, and it's not a good thing in itself. No, it's not. But we have to remember that God can take the tricks of the enemy. Please, please, please note that the feelings that you're having are not just you. Too, too many people, again, too many people do not recognize spiritual warfare. That even in the realm of the spirit, it's not just God and the good angels, but Satan and demonic angels are there as well. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Satan is affecting your mind. He's affecting your attitude. He's affecting everything you do because he wants to pull you away from God. He wants to pull you away from the fellowship of believers. He wants, to, he wants you. He wants you to follow him because if you follow him, then now you're not following God. You are giving him the allegiance that he wanted all along. Yeah. So just remember that God can take the tricks of the enemy and turn them into a blessing if we allow him, if we allow him. You, gotta, you got to allow the Lord. You got to allow the Lord. You, you got to... Are you hearing? You got to, you've got to allow the Lord. Because even, even on, on, the, on the committed believing side, we know that we're not doing this work on our own. We're not, even in our relationship, if it were not for Holy Spirit living in us, 
helping us, we have a helper. And he is constantly helping us. He is helping us in whatever it is that we go through. Even for those of us who may be stronger in the Lord, there are times we feel discouraged. But Holy Spirit comes in and he, somehow or another, he just stirs us up. He, he, will, he will speak his word to us in our minds or he'll lead us to a passage of scripture or he'll send someone to us to give us an encouraging word. We have a helper. We're not doing this on our own. We're not. We're not in this fight on our own. So, so God will take the tricks of the enemy and turn them into a blessing for us if we allow him. Now I want you to hear something. I said that we, that prompt, that the words that Jesus spoke to Peter, we have to take them in two parts. All right? The second part of this is a prophecy. It's a prophecy. All right? Listen to what Jesus said. All right. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. The NIV says, sift you all as wheat. So uh, I didn't look up that part of it because... Whether he sifted Peter or sifted them all, Peter was in the process. Uh, he was sifted as well. He said, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brethren. That's the prophecy. The prophecy is, Peter, you will be sifted, but you will be converted. And when you are you will strengthen the brethren. What happened to Peter? Peter was sifted. Peter denied Jesus. But Peter became one of the leaders in the church because the Lord specifically came back and restored Peter. Simon, John 21, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lamb. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. One more time, Peter, do you love me? That's the Lord dealing with Peter. And many times the Lord will deal with us, and we got to hear that God will just not leave us. If we are feeling weak, if we are feeling disconnected, Holy Spirit is here to help us, and he will challenge us. But we've got to do what? We've got to listen. We've got to submit. We've got to obey. So the third time, Peter, it, had, it, it connected with Peter. Jesus says, Simon, do you love Yes, Lord, you know I love you. How many of you come to the point where you've had to say, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Probably tears in his eyes. He did say, well, what about him? Jesus said, don't worry about him. <laughs> if he stays, speaking of John, if he stays until, uh, until I come again, that's okay. You feed my sheep. You have a responsibility to fulfill. So, so we've got to hear that the Lord cares about us. And what is his ministry now? What is Jesus' ministry now? He is seated in heaven at the right hand of God, and he lives to make, ever lives to make intercession for us. So he's praying for you and me. He's praying for his children. He is praying for everyone who has confessed him as Savior and Lord because it is not his will that you perish. It is not his, even for the unsaved, it's not his will for them to perish. But he is praying. He is making intercession for us. Jesus, the exalted Lord, the Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is praying for us. His determination is that we succeed in all that we do for the kingdom. He wants us to have the same motivation and same commitment that we see in Paul. That our lives, we don't value as anything. That our lives are not dear to us. We're not trying to preserve our own lives. We're not. We've got to get to that point. I'm not saying that if you're sick, you don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying if you're hungry, you don't feed yourself or eat. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that we're not preserving life as we know it outside of Christ. We've yielded our lives up to Jesus. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's what I'm saying. We've got to get to that point that we say that for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yeah. So since Jesus is praying for you, if you feel disconnected, if you 
Your motivation has waned. If you feel like you're finding happiness and fulfillment in other things apart from God, and you know they're not of God, this is what you must do. You must turn back to God in repentance. Got to do it. You must repent of your waywardness. There's, there's no other way to say this. I thought, tried to think of a nice way to say it, you know, because, you know, people are so, they have their feelings on the edge so much. And we've grown up with the spirit that the pastor is talking about us. Well, if I'm talking about you, I'm just talking about you. Just deal with it. Amen. <laughs> I, I've sat on the messages many times when I preach. I'm preaching to myself too. You know, it's the word of the Lord. It's not me. Because God loves, because God loves us. So God is calling us to repentance. When you read 1 John, let's turn there. And I want you to hear this. 1 John. When you read 1 John in chapter 1 of 1 John, you got to ask yourself, who is he writing to? Who is he writing to? That's what you got to ask yourself. Is he writing to the unbeliever? Or is he writing to the believers? And when you look at it, I, I, I don't want to pick up at the beginning, but even if I just read verse number four, chapter one, first John chapter one, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. He's writing to believers. He's not writing to unbelievers. But he goes on to say, this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. So if there's darkness in your life, you know there's a problem right there. Shouldn't be darkness in your life if you're following Jesus. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now, ask yourself, what is darkness? And saints, as fellow believers in our motivation, we have to be very careful that we don't give the wrong image to other people trying to make them feel comfortable around us. So I can't be out here cursing with people who curse, using profanity. Drinking with people who drink. Partying with people who party. You know, sometimes sometimes people say, oh, you know, church and religion is just so straight and stiff. You can't do this, you can't do that. No, I'll tell you what you can do. Make sure your life glorifies the Lord. So if there's a place you shouldn't be, if there's a place that you go that doesn't glorify the Lord, then you shouldn't be there. And that's a challenge for for Christians today, we're sending mixed messages. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son purifies us from all sins. If we claim, this is where I'm getting ready to focus in on. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, this is where repentance comes in at. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the key. If you're feeling disconnected, if you're feeling empty, if you're feeling out of sorts, if, if your motivation has waned, the only thing for you to do is to come back and repent. You need Holy Spirit's help. You can't stay out there because the longer you stay away from the Lord, the farther you're going to go away from the Lord. And the more difficult it's going to be to come back. Yes, I thank the Lord that with all that has happened to me and my 46 years of ministry and my 
almost six or seven years of being saved, I didn't stray from the body of Christ because there was something that was going on in the body of Christ that attracted me and that helped me. And every hard message I heard helped me. Every motivating word I got and encouraging word I got from another believer helped me. I don't remember getting mad at people for rebuking me. I don't remember it. Maybe I did, but I sure don't remember it because it helped me get to the place where I needed to be in the Lord. And even today, saints of God, I thank God that in the midst of COVID-19, I'm encouraged. Are you encouraged today? There are some people that are not encouraged. There are some people whose motivation have waned. If we're going to complete this task, and there is a task that is assigned to every one of us. It's not just the bishop. It's not just the elders and the ministers. It's not just a faithful few, but it is Everyone who has named the name of Jesus got to complete it. You can't complete the task if your motivation is not there. What's going to help your motivation? An exciting sermon? Nope. What's going to help your motivation? A charismatic teacher? Nope. Because when push comes to shove, it's you and God. And you have to deal with your relationship to God. Holy Spirit is right there. He never leaves you. When the charismatic preacher stops preaching, when the exciting sermon is not there for you to hold on to, and the enemy starts to enter in, Holy Spirit will be right there. He will speak to you. He will help you end up if you allow him to. We have a task to complete, saints. Our motivation has to be in the right place. Holy Spirit is here to help us. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you've listened to this message, and, and the focus of this message is really has really been on helping people in their weaknesses and in their struggles with their relationship with the Lord. So first of all, I want to ask whether there's someone here, or definitely if there are people watching online, if this message has spoke to you, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. If you're watching me online or if you watch this message later, and I, I want to encourage our members of Tabernacle of Praise, if you don't work on Sunday morning, you know, I like seeing 16, 17, 18 people online, and I know, I know that, that sometimes families watch together, but this is the designated worship time, and I want to encourage you that when 9 o'clock comes on Sunday morning, that you be in worship. Whether you're online, whether you're at home, Set yourself, we told you this in the beginning, set yourself so that your hearts and minds are here at this time set for this corporate body. But should you watch it later on and you hear the message, it's the word that's most important. Remember, God's word does not return to him void. It accomplishes what he desires and he prospers his word in the things as he sent his word to. So you hear the word. You've been feeling discouraged. You've been feeling out of sorts. You've been feeling like, you know, you just don't have the motivation anymore. You've heard what you need to do. You, you, you understand now that warfare is going on. This just didn't happen. Hopefully it'll make you look back and see maybe all along I wasn't where I needed to be. Maybe I just got caught up in the hype of the crowd. And I went with the crowd. I used an ability that I had in the natural, but it was not the anointing of God on my life. Whatever it is, now is the time to fix it because we have an assignment on our lives to complete this task. So I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us so much that you would reach out to us, your children, the ones who've claimed you as Lord and Savior. We see, we, 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 we see 
and we experience the disconnect that many people have. They are experiencing it more than we can see and experience it. We pray now for that person who doesn't have the motivation to love you, to serve you, who's allowed uh, the, the devil to enter in and to move them away from the faith. We pray for that person who maybe through other trials and afflictions have been moved away from their steadfastness in the faith. We pray to God that your word today has not been an offense, but that it has been an encouragement for each individual who's in that situation to return to you in repentance and faith towards you so that through the presence and power of your spirit, and the word that will go forth from this sacred desk out of the mouths of others, that they will be encouraged again, that they will begin to build their faith as they study your word, as they engage in spiritual disciplines, as they do what we should be doing every day. Thank you that you are a repairer of the breach that you are the reconciling God. Thank you, Father, that you restore us to the place that we should be. You've done it for me. You've done it for others. You'll do it for that person. If it's only one, you'll do it for that person because of your great love. We pray for your people now. We pray for restoration. We pray for strength. We pray for reconciliation that we will be committed to you, completing the task of testifying to the gospel of your grace. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, if, if you have never accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want to give you that opportunity now. You've paid attention to this message you stayed online this long, you've paid attention. The Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to you as you've paid attention. Jesus died on Calvary on the cross for your sins and for my sins. He died because we deserve death for violating God's law. Not 50 times, not 100 times, but the one time that we sinned God's law says the soul that sins shall surely die. So all of us deserve death for our sin. Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, Jesus Christ, the one that God sent, died in your place, died in my place, satisfied God's law for you and for me. For me to be saved, I had to accept the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. I had to accept Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. For you to be saved, you must accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No person comes to the Father except through me. He is the only means God has given for our salvation. If you want to be saved, you want God to take over your life. Accept Jesus. He's not going to harm you. He's going to help you. Since I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, he wants to give you the, fulfill, the fullness of life that you can never experience in this world apart from him. Pray this simple prayer with me if that's what you want. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Lord. I believe that through your sacrificial death and my faith in you, I am saved. So, Lord, come into my life. Save me from my sin. 
I receive you now as my Savior and my Lord. And I confess right now that I am saved because of what you did for me on the cross and my acceptance of your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for saving me. Amen. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.